Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 43, Waiting for the Rip. So we haven't gone uh, fishing. This is a scene from Jaws. And uh, it's when we go out look for the shark and Quint is watching his fishing reel. And you'll hear the clicks. Listen for those clicks. To me, that's like me watching the ticker. Every time it's going up, you know, a couple, you know, points, cents here, cents there, go up, down. Those, those little ticks. And I just kind of watch them and I'm waiting. And I'm waiting for this moment. You see Quint right now. He's getting ready. He's putting on his straps. Picks up his fishing rod. He uh, hasn't said anything to anybody, right? He's just waiting. And he takes the rod out of his uh, regular holder, puts it between his legs. He, he straps in. He's hooking it in. <laughs> this guy's getting ready. He knows something's up. This isn't his first fishing trip. And he probably has that sense. Like, uh, is this going there? He puts his feet on his board. And this guy's getting ready. He's getting ready for that line to rip. And it's right now it's just going bop, bop, bop. And here's Chief hey, Brody. I got it. What? Get behind there it is. It's ripping right now. <laughs> Brody was practicing tying knots. Move it. Reverse it. They can handle it on the line. Chief, and here comes that rip. And that's when you know, once it blows past that first dollar or two, you know this is a rip. And it doesn't stop. And um, it's an amazing feeling. And uh, here's Quint just yelling for Hooper. So I'm going to stop it here. Um, but anyway, I, I, I think about that scene a lot as I'm waiting for this stock for AMC to rip. And waiting for it to rip can be a lot like fishing. Now, I it's funny. I used to fish when I was a kid. And... A funny thing happened. I'm, you know, I'm such an animal lover. I absolutely love animals. And I honestly cannot see going out with a fishing, you know, rod and hooking some poor fish, right? And even if you throw it back, you have no intention of eating it. And listen, I'm not a vegetarian. I eat meat. I eat hamburgers. Hey, we had salmon last night. Okay. So sorry if I come off as a little hypocritical here where, you know, I can't, you know, harm this little fish, but I'm perfectly okay with somebody else going out and fishing and getting me fish and eating it. And the only thing I would say to that is I don't like, again, you know, let's say, you know, we're on this mythical battle that we have, right? And, and we have to do battle. And in this battle, we have to kill another warrior from the other side. And I think there's a, there's a difference between like, okay, I'll kill if I have to, but I don't take pleasure in it. Does that make sense? Like if, if it's for battle, if it's life or death, that's fine. I'll do it. But I'm not going to go out on my own and, and do killing as a bonding experience with, you know, my children or something. Or like, oh, I just get this pleasure out of going out and hunting an animal. So I think that's what it is for me. I don't mind eating meat, Right. But I don't go out and have a good time hunting. You know, I don't know. I'm, and I don't want to offend any hunters. What you do, that's your, 
you know, if you if you're going out there, if you eat this meat, then fine. That's that's for you to decide. I'm just saying it's not for me. But I was a Boy Scout, and I used to go. My grandfather used to take me fishing, and and we and we would eat fish. And I think I think genuinely, if you're going to go out and and eat fish and and do that, that's fine. That's a part of life. It's just that me personally, um, I'd rather go to an aquarium, you know, or go to, out in nature. And maybe if you're lucky, you can see fish swimming around. It's 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 harder to do that, um, but or go scuba diving or something in Hawaii or where, you know where you can really see fish swimming around you. I'd rather have that experience than 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 fishing. And certainly, you know, I've never I've never really gone hunting with a you know a gun or you know a bow and arrow or something. Um, but same thing. I just uh, I, you know I just don't go out. I just don't have a lot of pleasure going out and and stalking something and killing it. Um, just not me. But but again, I will go to McDonald's and I'll order a hamburger, right? So anyway, um, it's been a while since I've gone fishing. But a, a lot of what I remember is it's a, it can be a lot of waiting. And you're just waiting and you're just waiting and you're just waiting, waiting, waiting. Um, if you're lucky, the weather's nice. It's a beautiful day. But then there's those moments when that something takes that line and you have to reel it in. And, and that's what keeps you fishing. Same thing with, you know, again, I'm not a golfer either. But I've heard, you know, if you, you get those good shots, it um, it keeps you hooked. That you keep wanting to go back for that, that great, you know, well, not necessarily hole-in-one or, you know. But, you know, once you have that, once you get hooked, you're hooked. And even though you may... Uh, what was it, John? It's a, the, the, someone described golf as a long walk spoiled... <laughs> That yeah, it's, it can be a lot of frustration, um, but those moments when you know you, you you know things go right, it keep it makes it worth it, and that's what you stay it in it for. Uh, there's a Jackson Brown song I, th- I think where he's talking about being on tour, and he's talking about the downtime and being on the bus, and you know it can be kind of boring, but then when they're on stage, and that's what makes it worthwhile. It's those those few hours they're on stage performing, and that's. That's what they do it. And for me, you know, being in the AMC, you know, it's been a lot of waiting. And especially waiting when it's down is not fun at all. But there are those moments when this stock rips. It is not a normal stock. And and when it rips, jumps, you know, a few dollars, and you're just watching the strength in this thing. It's just like watching a racehorse or a fighter, you know, a fighter that's so powerful and when it just goes, it goes. It's an amazing thing to watch. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you describe it. That you know, people that seem to put up with a lot, um, and m- most normal people can't say like, "Why are you doing that? Why are you sitting there? You know, why? Why do you keep at this?" And they don't get it. They don't. They don't know what it's like to when in those moments when it happens. How amazing it is. Kind of like a roller coaster. You ever go to you know Disneyland or Disney World or another theme park, and how long will you wait in line for a roller coaster? Sometimes hours, right? I, I've waited up to you know two hours before in line waiting for a roller coaster, and you get on it, and it's what I don't know five, six, ten minutes if that. Not, I doubt it's ten minutes, but but that's it. You're willing to wait those hours for those few minutes of. Pure adrenaline. Jumping out of a plane, same thing. You know, you do all that preparation, you fly, and then 
bang, you jump out of that plane and, and, you know, and I don't know how many minutes that takes, but it's, it's over real quick, but it's that, that adrenaline. And we're just waiting for this thing to rip at this point. So, you know, again, I'm talking about this podcast. I don't do technicals. I don't do predictions. Um, it's not that kind of podcast, but I do talk about what I feel, um, you know, what's going on with me as an AMC investor. So we got, we hit that big milestone, 50. And I don't know what your thoughts were when we hit 50 or what I was thinking, like, hey, once we hit 50 again, because I remember when we hit 50 back in May, I just started, you know, if you you know, you listen to this podcast, you know, this late May, I got into it a couple days before the big run up to what, 72, or, you know, you know, when it, we weren't at 50 that long before it ripped you know, into the 60s and touched 70 briefly. So I, you know, there's a little part of me that thought, hey, when we hit 50 this time, the FOMO money is going to rush in, people are going to believe, and maybe same thing, you know, once it hits 50, it's a magical number, there's going to be a little bit of a rip, at least to get into the 60s, and then maybe the 60s will be more of a fight and um, take a little while, but then eventually, you know, we'd hit that number. So that's where my I don't I don't want to say I was, you know, 100% sure that's what would happen, but I think that's what I was hoping would happen. And then, you know, re- the reality is, hey, we hit 50 and we're there. And uh, we've had a, a few days of this now, and it's just kind of a little uptick um, where it goes up, kind of like what it was doing before. You know, it'd go up, you know, a buck and change each day. And then, you know, by the end of the week, you've had a green week. And you put enough of those weeks together and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the stock's gone up 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks. And I can live with that. You know, I can live with that. It, I would much rather, I talked about the snow day where you go to bed at night and then all of a sudden in the, you know, pre-market or aftermarket, one of the two, the, you know, some hedge fund decides, okay, that's it. We're covering and we're going to cover um, now before the market opens or after right after it closes so that when the you know when the market opens it's like a snow day and it's you know the, the stock's gone up you know 20 30 40 dollars right and then that triggers other hedge funds cashing in um that hasn't happened yet either so we're just you know at this point so what what are my readjusted kind of expectations what i'm hoping for now so again i'm not financial advisor this is not financial advice this is only how i feel based only on a gut instinct you know just like with quint you know you hear the thing ticking and you know he could think well that's nothing it's just a you know the line getting taken a little bit under the water it's nothing or he starts getting ready thinking okay maybe this is it now i'm no i don't think we're on the verge of anything don't don't get me wrong but what i want to talk about are like what my expectations are of what what is the future and how I could see this mother of all short squeezes happening. Now the thing is, is as retail investors go, like me buying a couple shares or maybe, you know, someone with a little bit more money jumping in, <clears throat> that's not gonna cause the mother of all short squeezes. That could keep this the stock going up a little bit, especially now that it, we're not seeing quite the manipulation on that on that ticker number that we're used to. It's still there a little bit, I think, but not quite what it was. Not when they dropped us down to, you know, 29 
dollars. And every day they would just ladder attack it, right? Massively ladder attack it. So we're not seeing that right now. And we're seeing it do this uptick. And to me, <clears throat> you know, I started thinking about this when we were in, you know, in the 40s and moving up. Like, how could this really play out? So the way I see it, you know, there are different levels for me. Now, to actually get the MOAS, it's, it needs a catalyst, it needs something. It needs one of those rips that either hedge funds are doing, you know, they have all these failure to delivers that they make good on, or a hedge fund decides, hey, that's it, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to settle our shorts now while we can, while it's cheap, and we're going for it. Or one of these hedge funds gets margin called, right? But that's what will help trigger this. That it's it, it's not. It's going to take. We need a little help to get this going, um, and have one of these little rips that makes the stock too expensive. Now I've talked before. I watch a lot of Lou versus Wall Street videos. I don't know how you feel about Lou. I don't know how I feel about him. Sometime, although I think, like I said, I think he's a great communicator. He's he. I watch him now. Whether you know, I would. Take what he says 100%. No, probably not. But I, I look for his videos and I watch them along with, you know, Matt Kors, Mast Investor, Trade Trades, Claybro, Jackson Hunter, Review Dork, Moneymaker, Short the Vix. A lot of, uh, I watch a lot of YouTubers um, just to try to get as many different opinions as I can and then I make up my own mind or I make my own decisions having taken, taken all this information in. But one of the things he talked about is like what what price would AMC have to get to before these hedge funds really have to cover, right? At least what what is he hearing? And and he talked about AMC has to be about $90 to $135 to get these hedge funds to finally say, "Okay, this is not sustainable anymore. There's too much risk and we have to settle these things." Right? So on the low end of that, $90, you know, $90, $100. Well, that's twice what we're at right now, you know. So this stock would have to double before it gets to this level that, um, that Lou was talking about where they would maybe start covering it. So there's a, there's a good bit of distance realistically. Now, again, I don't know that. I'm not saying that like it's written in stone or it's guaranteed. It's not. Moas could happen today. Moas could happen a year from now when the stock is, you know, $275. If it could get to $275 a share. I mean, look at GameStop. GameStop went up to, you know, $400. Then it, you know, dropped really low, but it came back to the, you know, $300 range. Now it's at, you know, in the low $200. That's not causing any squeezes. But of course, there's much less GameStop stock than there is AMC. And maybe that's the difference that the, the volume of AMC shares is just so many real and hopefully synthetic, but it's just a bigger um, a bigger number of shares that are out there for AMC. And so if those got to GameStop's price of $200, that, that would be un, unsustainable for the hedge funds to maintain their short position. Well, anyway, so, but let's just go with that for now. $90 to $135, and that should trigger the squeeze when everybody starts covering, okay? So right now we're at $51 you know, in, in pre-market. We're at $51.73 on uh, Tuesday, and that is, um, I believe, September 14th. So the levels that I see, so we're at this level right now, 
and I see this level being like $50 to $62. And $62 is what I imagine sort of the high closing highs were when we were bouncing around in that the high 50s to low 60s, right? So that's just this level we've been at before, 50 to 62. And maybe we get there every day, we, we go up a couple bucks, people believe in the stock again, and that's enough. We close at a good number on Friday. So on you know Monday, Tuesday, they have to um, you know they have to make good on all the calls that were in the money. And that's enough to keep the stock going. That's enough to keep that momentum. So each week we're going up three, four dollars. And if we keep doing that, we will get to 62 in, in you know a week or so, however long it takes, right? But that's that first level that we're in right now. Nothing too exciting. Um, good to be in the black. I think once we get to 62, most all, most you know AMC shareholders should be in the black on their investment. You know, the vast majority I I would hope are there, and for the rest of them, hopefully, we'll be coming for you soon. So then we go to the next level. Now again, this is just gut. This is just me taking some you know a whiteboard and some some markers. And just, you know, creating these levels. So please, please don't, again, not financial advice. This is just where my head's at. Okay, so $62 to $72. Now you're talking about, you know, that area where you're reaching, you know, um, you know all-time high numbers. That this is Now this has gone from uh, a step above where we were at when we made that run and we were there for a few weeks, uh, you know, in the high 50s, low 60s. And and we and we got tired of that, right? Who got bored at that point and was wanting more action? Well, we got our action, except the action was going down <laughs> to twenty nine. <laughs> so be careful what you what you wish for. Maybe someone didn't didn't wish didn't think that wish through. And uh, next time, if you wish for more action when we're stalled at fifty eight, make sure make sure you want action going up instead of uh, you know someone got monkey pawed on that <laughs> where you make your wish, but the wish could be interpreted um, in not such a favorable way for you. So sixty two to seventy two, that's like this next level, big money, you know, for investors. And and again, my god, my goodness for you know all you January apes that got in at two. Three four dollars. Obviously, I don't know if you listen to this podcast or not. I'm a, I'm a May ape, so I got in. You know, in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. I was buying shares, maybe even a couple times in the 60s. But I, I, you know, not, I'm not sure about that. I'd have to look at my records. But mostly 30s, 40s, 50s. But it's 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 good money, and it's a good place to be, and it's nice to sit there and know that hey, if I needed to get the, if we got a bill coming in or we had to pay taxes on something. You know, we could we could get the money if we needed it, but otherwise we're going to let it ride. But we're not cashing anything out at this level. So the next level after that, that is 72 to 90, right, which is a big level. But now we're looking at uncharted territory. I, th- I think the all-time high is 72. It might be 77. I'm not sure about that. Um, but but anyway, it is. In the, once you get into the 80s, 90s, that's uncharted territory for AMC. And, you know, you know, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice range to be at. And whether that's FOMO money coming in at that point, I don't know how long we're going to be at these levels. If you look at the GameStop situation where they went, I think, for like 74 and then 140 and then 300, you know, it just seemed to double every every day um, till it hit its high. And then they took away the buy button and it crashed back down to earth. 
So this third level that we're looking at is $72 to $90, where it's, this, is, this is uncharted territory. We're not quite at the MOAS yet. Maybe some people are taking profit. Who knows? Um, but it is that, that big level, not quite there. All right, so now we get into, we'll call it the Lou level, right? $90 to 135 And that's when Lou said, hey, that's when these guys are going to start to cover, that it's too expensive and too risky for them not to cover at this point, right? So now we're at this fourth level, $90 to $135. And that's hopefully where they start covering. So that's four levels, you know. 50 to 62 is the level we're at right now. Can this stock keep going up? You know, a buck and change each day, maybe, you know, two, three, four dollars each week, and we get to $62, which is pretty nice. Then we get to the next level, $62 to $72, that second level for us, where we're knocking on our all-time high, and we're doing really good. The third level is 72 to 90. Now you're talking about an all-time high for AMC, and hopefully there's a lot of hype and good news stories about this stock. You know, not a dead cat, that AMC is strong and on the verge Hopefully, we got people rushing in, and that helps us get to that fourth level of $90 to $135 a share, which Lou said that, hey, that's when the hedge funds are going to start covering their short position, and at that point, that's when we take off. Okay, so now we get to the fun levels, right? So then we have this $135 a share to $300 a share where this thing's going up, but people are going to say, you know, hold, 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 you know, keep holding. And I think maybe if it's a strong push and the numbers just keep going up, you know, and we're clicking along and it's going up five bucks at a time and showing a lot of strength, then I think it would be easy to hold and just see where this thing goes, right? $300 a share is nice, but we know we want a lot more than that. But that's this first you know, MOAS run, and maybe it's just FOMO or a gamma squeeze, but I, I see it is 135 to 300, okay? Now, the next level after that that I see is 300 to 750. Now, at this level, right, some people may cash in. Like, that may be enough for some people. Not for most, I wouldn't think, right? Now, for me personally, like, that's not a bad level if you wanted to sell a small amount of shares, right? Just to cover your principal, right? Just maybe, you know, whatever you've put into this, whether you sell one or two or 10, 20 shares, you know, again, that's completely up to you and, and how much you have invested. But, you know, if you cover your principal, and again, be careful, right? Um, and again, not financial advice, but think about this, right? Let's say you sell 20 shares right now. If you sell 20 shares at $300, that's $6,000. And maybe that covers your principal, right? But if this stock is ripping and there's it's showing a lot of strength and it's going, you know, those 20 shares you just sold for $6,000, maybe in an hour, two hours, you could sell those same 20 shares and make, you know, twice that, three times that, four times that. So that's the trade-off that you make when you sell early. Yes, you're going to guarantee you know, maybe some, uh, your principal, but you could be costing yourself future money. But the other way I see it, if you cover that principal, right, and you know there's no way at this point you're going to lose money, and that's covered, maybe that gives you the security to go further with the rest of your investment, that you've hit that sell button, you've gotten it out of your system, you know you're not going to lose money now, 
even if the stock goes to zero and you lose all your other shares, you covered your principal, you've made money, and you're ready to go to town now. So all those things, you know, you have to consider, but those are your decisions and what you make. And that's certainly what's going on in my mind. Now, I'm also in this with my wife. So yes, there have been times where I've added some shares without necessarily consulting her. But I think once we get to actually selling it, this is her money too. I need to take her input in. And we've looked at our exit strategy together and we have to agree on that. Because the one thing you don't want to have happen when this thing happens, right, is to make decisions you don't agree on or that create bitterness. Like, why didn't you hold on longer? You should have sold sooner. You know, these things have to be worked out and discussed um, so that you can survive this when it's over. That this is going to be your one chance. And there is no perfect play. I don't know if you got an email telling you exactly when this is going to peak and what's the best selling time. I didn't get that email, right? This is going to be your decision and you have to sort of have your goals. Like for us, one of our goals is, you know, we have some, you know, credit card debt, right? We want to be able to pay off our credit cards and start fresh, you know. Don't want a Lamborghini right now. Don't need a, you know, McMansion. Don't need to travel around the world. Right now, I'd like to pay off our credit card debts, right? Because those things can get scary. You let that stuff keep going and going. And credit card debt is very dangerous. If you've ever seen anything, any kind of financial advisor show, a Susie Orman or anything, they'll tell you how dangerous credit cards can be. And for a long time, I always, always paid off my credit cards every month. I, You know, they hated me, right? They must have hated me. Every month, this guy's paying off his credit card balance in full. Then I got married, life got expensive, had some kids, got more expensive, and it was really easy to say, ah, what's the minimum payment, or well, let's just do this each month, we'll set it up on auto pay for this, and um, it gets a little dangerous. So for me, that's our reality, is that's our first goal, is paying off some credit card debts, right? So you need to you know, come up, what are your goals? Do you want to pay off your house? Do you want to pay off your student loans? You know, think of these real world needs you have. Don't worry about a Lambo just yet, right? Look at your real world goals that you have right now that you would like to achieve and focus on those first. Get those done and then go after these crazy financial goals. Don't miss out on an achievable goal waiting to get your, you know, Lamborghini. And let me tell you something. Here, I talk about a million new millionaires. Right now, Lamborghini sold out of their inventory, right? From what I understand, I haven't been shopping too much for Lamborghinis. You know, I looked around a little bit, but I, I heard that they're sold out on their inventory. So if you wanted to get a Lamborghini, you may have to wait, you know, and then if you want to get a used Lamborghini, that market is going to go up because you're going to get all these people looking to buy Lamborghinis. You know, if you, let me tell you something, you got a used exotic sports car right now. Or, you know, Corvette, a C8 Corvette, or some really desirable or an old muscle car. It'd be real interesting to see what happens when there's a million new millionaires and they all want to buy their dream cars, right? Well, what happens to that dream car market when everybody goes looking for their car? When everybody goes looking for their 1963 split window Corvette, you know, um, or their, you know, Lamborghini Countach, 
uh, or their Ferrari 308 or their 1984, you know, Porsche 911 Carrera, right? Um, it'll be real interesting to see what happened to these prices and, and you know, the housing prices too for, you know, uh, expensive homes. Is there an impact? You know, is there going to be a... Um, a shortage of these luxury goods to go around with all these new people that have this new money. I don't know. We'll see. So anyway, um, but once it gets to that uh, 300 to 750, that's going to be go time for some people. Some people may cash out. Some people, like myself, might cash a, a few shares in just to just to cover that principle. Take take it off your mind that you're going to lose money. That that's it. It's house money at this point. We can't lose. Okay. Now we get to our next level, $750 to $9,000 a share, right? And I call this level of the MOAS sort of the realistic MOAS, right? Some people, you know, think $1,000 is going to be it. Like there's no way AMC can go past $1,000. It's just not realistic. It can't, it's not happening. Everybody's going to, nobody's going to hold, not enough people will hold past that amount or financially, Anything more than that would be unsustainable. Again, this is just stuff that I've heard and read on the internet. I'm not, again, not financial advice. I'm just regurgitating what I hear is this realistic level, okay? Then some people say that realistic level, maybe get to 5,000. They'll push it to 5,000, maybe 10. But that's where we're at on this first level. Call it the realistic level. That If it gets to 1,000, you can do a lot of damage. I believe that's about where the Volkswagen squeeze went went to. And depending on, you know, where you bought in or really at any point, you know, if it gets to a thousand and you have enough shares, you can do some damage with with that. But if you want to diamond hand it and you're ready to go to another level. OK, so for me personally, at this level between 750 and 9000, I, you know, I, I I'm not going to sell it all, but I'll probably sell some depending on where it gets to. And what that would do is that's life-changing money for the next two years, right? At that point, it takes, you know, like I tell you, I, I, I make my money right now doing Instacart, delivering groceries. <laughs> so if we could capture a nice six-figure amount, um, that's not bad. You know, I'll take that. And that takes a lot of pressure. There's a lot we can do with that. Then we can pay the credit cards off and have a little bit left over to do some traveling or buy a car, do home, you know, fix up our home, have put some money away for kids' educations. Um, but I don't want to go all out at this point, right? I want to keep some skin in the game because we think that it's going to go higher than 9000 hopefully. We'll see. But at that point, if it doesn't and it starts going down and you don't want to risk it, you don't know if this is a dip or this is it, right? If this is the dip or this is rip, meaning rest in peace, like this is over and it's going back down to $40 a share, right? But you should be able to at least at some point at this level, you know, either go all in or if you want to, you know, get it on when it's going down, you could still probably, you know, get it a fair price for your shares. So this is this first level, we'll call it the realistic level. All right. Now, the, the next level is, say, $9,000 to $50,000 a share. Now we're getting into the, you know, the dream level, right? Like, this thing gets to $9,000 to $50,000 a share, and you have, you know, if you're a, a 3x8, you have 200, 300, 400, 1,000 shares, and it gets to $9,000 to $50,000 a share. That's unbelievable. You are a multimillionaire at that point, Um 
and if everything if you're able to sell and, and get it you know that's great and that's you know where i'd probably want to save you know at least half our shares if not more and that just to see if it can get to this level again once in a lifetime opportunity to make this money never get this chance again i'm sure they're going to shut all this down and have reforms after this but who knows what do i know but that's that level, 9000 to 50000 the dream level, you know, become a multimillionaire, retire, your kids can retire at that point too probably, right? But let's say you're the diamond hand. You are the true believer. Right now you're thinking that, you know, Russ, you're a paper-handed bitch, man. You're going to sell at $50,000 $50, a share. You are a paper-handed bitch, and you're diamond handing it. You're going all the way. You are a true believer. You have not sold one share. And we get to the next level. We'll say it's 50000 and beyond. You know, it's the, the buzz light year to infinity and beyond, right? Now, maybe this does get to 100 k 500 k a million dollars a share. Who knows? And this could go for AMC and GameStop, right? And I don't know what you would call this level. Like I said, call it the Buzz Lightyear level, where it's just infinity and beyond, where everybody was right. We were right. Now at this point, okay, if it does get to this level, <laughs> those 20 shares you sold for, you know, to cover your principal, to get a few thousand dollars, to get that weight off your mind, well, now you got a new weight. Because if you had saved those 20 shares... Um, so let's do the math here. Let's just say it gets to $50,000, right? If it gets to $50,000 and you have 20 shares, uh, that's a million dollars, okay? So for that $6,000 that you made when you sold at three hundred, dollars if you waited till it got to $50,000, you'd have a million dollars. So that's what that's the trade-off. But again, um, you know, if it gets to three hundred dollars and you're able to cover your principal, um, but then it goes back down to $25 a share, but you were able to, you know, cash out and you can wait for the next one. Look at GameStop. You know, some people sold it, 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 the highs there, and then maybe they, they could get right back in the game. When it went back to 40, they could buy more shares if they wanted and they, they were right back in the game. But anyway, so that's, those are the different levels for me, um, and, and I certainly want to keep, some, I want to diamond hand some of these in case it does get to $50,000 and and beyond. I'm not saving everything to get to that point because who knows if that can happen. I don't, you know, I don't want to diamond hand and miss out on any opportunity to make some money here. Um, but I definitely want to diamond hand some of my shares, uh, you know, and depending on how the stock performs during the MOAS, that's, you know, when I'll know. So anyway, um, I don't know, you know, what's your strategy? You know, what are your goals going into it? Think of like a goal right now that you want. Maybe it's a realistic goal. Or maybe it's the dream goal. Maybe you want to buy a house. You've always wanted to buy a house in your neighborhood. And every time you see this thing, it's beautiful. You want to make so much money that you have a real estate agent contact the people that live there. <laughs> Tell them you'll pay them twice the value of the house right now, you know. And maybe you'll, you'll you know... Rent it to them, you know, for, you know, six months, a year <laughs> to get your dream house, right? Or maybe it is a Lamborghini. Then again, maybe it is just to get your car fixed, pay off your student loans, pay off some credit card bills, um, do some traveling. You know, think about what you want out of this. And, and also, like I said, listen, 
you know, remember those lottery winners that win, you know, millions of dollars and within a few years they're broke or it impacts their life in a negative way. You know, it, it, they get divorced, it impacts their children, um, addiction can happen to any number of things that now you can afford it. <laughs> someone I heard someone say once, you know, do you have a drug problem? And they're like, no, I can afford it now. <laughs> um, you never know. You know, more money, more problems. How it impacts your relationship with people. You know what's it's interesting? I'm listening to a book right now called The Wax Pack. And it, it was written by this guy, and he, he got into collecting baseball cards in the mid-80s, like 1985, 86. So he wanted to write a book. He bought some unopened baseball card packs, tops trading cards from around that time. I don't know if it was 85 or 86. So he, he, he got a bunch of packs, right? He's, he's open about this, but he got a bunch of packs, um, and he picked one of the packs, and he was going to look up every player in that pack of baseball cards and see where they were at, whether they were a Hall of Fame player or whether they just got a cup of coffee in the in the major leagues, right? He was going to try to track them all down and talk to them and interview them for this book he was going to write, The Wax Pack. And it's interesting as he goes along. Obviously, it, depending on the, the level of the player's success, and some players at this point had, had passed away when he wrote the book. Some were dead. Most were in their 50s. And it was very interesting, like one of the, so on the high end, right, one of the players was Carlton Fisk, played for the Boston Red Sox, Chicago White Sox. If you're a baseball fan, you probably know who Carlton Fisk is. If, if you don't, um, there's, there's a very famous 1975 World Series game, game six, between the Red Sox and the Reds, and Carlton Fisk, you know, hit this historic home run in extra innings and won the game for the Red Sox, forced game seven, which... Red Sox lost. You know, it's one of those things. Red Sox win, win game seven, but the Reds won game seven. I mean, I'm sorry, Red Sox won game six, but the Reds went on to win game seven, and subsequently they won the World Series. But everybody remembers game six with Carlton Fisk, you know, in this big moment. And he, he had a long career, too, a 24-year career he had. And Hall of Fame catcher played in more games than any other catcher had, I think more home runs than any other catcher. Um, at that point when he retired, but really a, a, one of the, out of the baseball pack of cards, one of the, you know, top legends. Or, but it was very hard to get to him. He didn't want to cooperate. He doesn't apparently like to cooperate with a lot of things that they've done documentaries about those World Series games and, and getting his participation um, is not an easy thing. But he'll do like autograph shows and, and stuff like that. And, and that's end of, that's how the author ended up actually talking to him as he paid to get his autograph and he was able to, you know, have a like 30-second exchange with Carlton Fisk. But then there are other players in it, you know, didn't have big careers. Um, and it was very interesting to hear their story and you know what it was like for them in the majors and then their decision to you know when they left the game and what they decided to do with their lives and how they dealt with life and you, it's funny like you just sort of i don't know you know you, you you think that you want to be the legendary player like Carlton Fisk um but then do you really need all that and all that baggage where you know, this guy just wants to write this book. It's kind of a neat idea, but, you know, oh, I don't want to participate in that. I can't, uh, I don't want to have any involvement in it. And, you know, you turn your back on stuff. Um, you know, you know, it's interesting. It's not, but, you know, success and money are not mutually exclusive from being happy and being a good person. 
it doesn't, it's not one or the other, right? We can be poor and be happy and be a good person, or you can be rich and miserable and a bad person. It doesn't work like that. There's plenty of poor people that are miserable, rotten human beings, right? And there's plenty, I'm sure, some people that are well-off that are, that are good people and generous and um, appreciate their good fortune. Anyway, so it was interesting. Good book, Wax Pack. If you can get it from the library, you want to buy it, listen to the audio book. That's what I'm doing right now. Um, if you like baseball, b- very good book. And, uh, you know, some of the other players like Doc Gooden is in it. Um, I think Rick, Rick Sutcliffe is in it. And then there's, you know, just Lee Mazzilli and, and, and a few other players that you probably may or may not have ever heard of. But hearing their stories, it's, it's really, really interesting. And it's kind of a neat concept. Again, I talked about this in the last episode, time. You know, it what these guys peaked early in their careers. It's hard to... You know, uh, these people that achieve this level, playing in a major league sport, the effort to get there, to be that good at something, right? To have fans that even if you're just the the worst person on the team, and I don't want to say worst, but the, maybe the least talented on the team, you know, to just to achieve that for one day to be on a major league baseball team is like the high of, uh, you know, a person's life. You go out to a stadium and there's, you know, who knows, again, depending on attendance, but like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people there to watch you play a game or to watch your team play a game. And there's people that want your autograph and you're on TV. And again, even if you're not the star, you're just there. And how exciting is that? And that's kind of how I felt like when I was at Disney, you know, I was certainly was no star performer at Disney. But I was on the team, you know, and whether you're on the major league team, and you're not even one of the athletes. Maybe you work in the, the you know, facilities or, you know, PR or ticket sales, but you're a part of that organization. You get to work at the ballpark and you go there and you're just like, I'm a part of this. In my own small way, I'm a part of this. And it's got to be a great feeling. Um, but these guys, you know, these professional athletes, they peak early in their careers. You know, by the time they're in their mid-30s, their career is, if not over, certainly winding down. And now they've got to live another, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years after that. And then financially, nowadays, maybe it's a little easier because they make a ton of money now as opposed to back then. Maybe they can stretch those millions out over their, their lifetime and their, 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 you know, their kids' lifetime. But, you know, in the, in, in, in the old days, like seven, well, I say in the old days, in the, you know, the 60s, 70s, you know, they didn't make ton, a ton of money back then. Um, so, you know, making all that money stretch. But it's like, what do you do with the rest of your life after you've peaked that early? Um, and finding, you know, finding, you know, something to do with yourself uh, instead of just playing golf and, um, you know, finding some new addiction, <laughs> something to give you that high that you had as, as a player. But it was really interesting to see how they dealt with their lives and what have you. But that concept of time, like, you know, yes, I'm riding high right now, but I'm not in 10 years, I'm not going to be in the major leagues. What am I going to be doing then? You know, what can I do now preparing? I remember, it was, I forget the athlete, but he said when he, you know, when he was doing autographs and people, a lot of times people would hand him business cards he kept those business cards 
because he knew there was going to be a time when he wasn't in the major leagues and maybe he did want to get into business himself. And now he had all these contacts of people like, hey, you know, I met you when I was doing this. He kept the business cards. I'm not saying he, you know, used every one and got back to everybody, but it was it was such a smart statement. And I always remembered that, that, you know, think think about the future. Um, so, and I, I look at us too as apes. We're sitting here right now. We're, you know, 50 and just maybe on the verge, thinking we're on the verge. Who knows if it's a day away, a week away, a month away, a year away, two years away. Um, but we'll, you know, what can we do now and what plans can we put in place now to help that future out, uh, when this does happen and make sure we don't go crazy when it happens and we don't look back and say oh my life was better before all this money again not mutually exclusive you can be successful and have money and still be happy and satisfied with your life the same way um if you're poor you're not always you know going to be it does that's no guarantee for happiness it does mean that most people that want to be around you want to be around you for you (laughs) once you get money or your fame or successful do they like me or do they like my success and my money. But then again, you say, well, that is you, your fame, your success. That is a part of who you are. Um, and that is why people like you, but it doesn't mean you can't necessarily not like them back. You just have to be careful. Um, anyway, so those are, you know, those are the levels that I'm looking at right now. We're, you know, we're at the bottom, you know, $50 and thank God we're there. Listen, we're, you know, 50 to 62, where we're at now, hopefully we can get up there, 62 to 72. Okay, now we're looking good, 72 to 90. Wow, we've never been here before. This is you know uncharted territory, but we're not there yet. 90 to 135. Have they started covering? Is this when it happens? Is this that scene I played for you? Tick, 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 tick. Bzzz, the reel goes crazy. Are we going to be at that point when these numbers take off and we get into these next stages of the MOAS, whether it's a gamma or the actual squeeze, we go to that next phase, $135 to $300. Not bad, but we want more. And when we get to that, to me, that first level, that $300 to $750, you know, hey, you could do some damage there. Then you get to that next level, $750 to $9,000. Hey, that's, you know, an awesome level to be at. You can, you know, makes realistically make some money. You could count on that if this MOAS happens. The VW stock was $1,000. Not that that necessarily has any relationship to us, right? But maybe you want more and you go to that $9,000 to $50,000 dream level, right? Imagine the damage you can do if you have 100, 200, 1,000 shares and it gets to that level. Multi-million multi-million dollar um but then maybe you're the true diamond hand you're going all the way to 100k so you wait till it goes you know, the next level fifty thousand to you know infinity uh, you know 10 some people said 10 million dollars a share that's probably not likely but you never know and that's that you know final level that who knows where this goes so good luck to you good luck to us this week hopefully we keep going up a few bucks each day i'd love for that rip to happen that's the thing Waiting for the rip. When is it going to rip from 53 to 62? When is it going to rip from 62 to 72? When is it going to rip from 72 to 90? When is it going to rip from 90 to 135? When's it going to rip from 135 to 300? When's it going to rip from 300 to 750? 
When's it going to rip from seven fifty to nine thousand? And when's it going to rip from nine thousand to fifty thousand? And when's it going to rip from fifty thousand to who knows? And what happens if it goes backwards? What if, what if the rip is rest in peace? <laughs> what if that's the rip? Who knows? We're all going to have to deal with that. But good luck to you in the MOAS. And maybe that will be the next episode of the AMC Stock Story. Hoop butter!